0: did chris ross just punch chris ross in the penis <laughs> <laughs> i'm um let me just say this <laughs> warning to you now i'm going to read some passages from my book and if you don't want to hear um, I think I'm gonna have to read the p word <laughs> penis and maybe the other p word pussy, so if you don't wanna hear that, <laughs> I don't have any complaints did the do the listeners listeners, do you have any complaints? I'm just having war flashbacks to when Lexi said penis in studio. Oh, Lexi. That was so crazy. No way she had to say penis, but she did. She did it for us. To give context, she didn't just say it, everybody. It was in her own story, and she was reading her own story out loud. But she said it, and we were all like, P word. Let's play a game called How Many Times Can We Say the P-Word before we even do the intro to the episode. I'm just reliving that moment. I know. We were we were shocked. It was like somebody had said, like, a, 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 the reaction we had was as if somebody said, like, a slur. Like, I don't, for some reason, we were all in tears almost.
1: Like, especially to hear
0: it from Lexi
1: was like... From Lexi anyone else i would have been like kind of uh
0: you know would have been like oh okay penis Lexi, if you're listening never like, again ne- never say the p word again it's because we could i would have just thought that she would have said a different word for penis i think that's what i, I know, was. but then you think about it and you're like
1: what like what, what a- could she have said you know Right, right!
0: She had had no other choice but to say the P word, which is one of the ugliest words. It truly is. It's so ugly. You know what word I hate?
1: What? I can't even say it. And I think that this is like a, just like freshman year when we learned about, in like poetry, we learned about like mouthfeel. Ew the Word,
0: I hate it. Well, okay, first of all, this
1: episode's gonna get taken down.
0: <laughs> second of all, we're
1: bleeping that out, the viewers
0: can't hear me say that. <laughs> it's the only other word you can really use for penis or dick.
1: I it grosses me out.
0: No, I agree with you. I would say there's not really a great word, any word for that part of the body that a man could say that wouldn't give me the ick, except for maybe dick. Right. Dick's fine. Just call it a dick. It's a dick. It's a dick. That's the podcast this week, everybody. Come back next season.
1: I <laughs> say.
0: Um,
1: I am Liza. I am Riss. And this is the Little Sleep, Much Reading Podcast.
0: And finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely. Out of his mind.
1: I forgot how it goes for a minute. I was waiting for you to say
0: much reading and I was like, That's That's How, how we do it? Girl, sixty or something, almost sixty episodes. She forgot. I
1: just forget. I just be forgetting.
0: Um, happy Thanksgiving. Happy. Th- oh my God, the fact that we had that whole conversation and it's the Thanksgiving episode. Like people are cooking right now, listening to us okay so the parade happens
1: yeah have you ever been in the parade no have you no no yeah. i just watch it i watch but, um and this is like santa's debut this is yeah. santa comes at the end and this is him being like now i'm here for the rest of the, the year and i've like yeah. got my friggin' eyes on you for real for real yeah silvio's not ready uh-oh Like, I don't think he's he always falls asleep during the parade because it's so early. But now, since he's on a good sleep schedule, he's wakes up at like seven. He's going to be up for this thing. He's going to watch the whole thing. Uh -uh. He's going to see the Paw Patrol floats. He's going to see Sesame Street. He's going to see Santa Claus at the end. And he's I'm going to drill it into his head like now. Hardcore. you got to go potty on the potty. No accidents in your big boy pants. Uh -uh. Got it. No yelling. We we do the whole stop stop yelling. Yeah, so he's not ready, guys, and he's he's about to get ready because Auntie has bought already bought him so many gifts for Christmas already. So he's got to be good. He he has no choice.
0: Santa Claus is coming to town tomorrow um, at like twelve p.m. Eastern Standard Time.
1: What is your absolute must on your thanksgiving table if you had to pick you could only pick two things to have for thanksgiving shut the hell up okay you want three you can pick three
0: well mashed potatoes and stuffing were my gut reaction to when you said two and my third is going to probably be i want to say crescent like crescent rolls but i feel like that plate is lacking color so I instead raise you cranberry sauce instead of a crescent roll. Love it. What about you? Um,
1: stuffing is my absolute number one. I love it. So many people hate stuffing. I love stuffing. I think okay. it is so good. My mom makes it deliciously. She puts all the turkey's insides in it. Hell yeah. It's to die for. Hell yeah. Um, and then I'm going to go uh, roly polies, which is like a family snack recipe it's a pickle ham cream cheese oh it's so good Liza you have to make it I feel
0: like one time you made that at the townhouse I probably did okay yeah and then
1: um it's like a comfort food yeah and then I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for turkey Mm, Okay, interesting choice. Specifically because when your dad goes and carves the turkey, because that's always my dad's job on Thanksgiving to carve the turkey. Yeah, my dad. He carves the turkey. He's like, we're all surrounding him like vultures to get the skin. (laughs) Turkey skin. So that's the only reason why turkey's still there, because of the skin. Skin. I get it. I get it. Um, you want to hear a fun story? Yeah. My one Thanksgiving with my ex-boyfriend, it was we we did like a brunch thing at his family's house first, and then we went to my family's, and at his family's house, his dad made stovetop stuffing. And it was runny. <laughs> They were like marissa always eats like a bird at our house i wonder why that is and i was just like i'm just saving room for you know i know we're gonna be eating all day but really i was like you expect you to eat stove top runny stuffing a mother effing thanksgiving heck no heck runny no i think
0: the caucasity of it all i was disturbed that's really scary. That's really scary, and I hate it.
1: Sometimes I think my ex-boyfriend stayed with me as long as he did, not because he actually liked me, but because my family fed him. Yeah, probably. I
0: understand. Hey, hey. Maria is the chef, okay? She's so good. She's the chef. You've heard of a chef, but have you heard of the chef? The chef. It's Maria. She plays.
1: But, you know, some people have other things on their Thanksgiving table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could say that. And in honor of Thanksgiving, this week is, once again, our second annual Feast Week. Yay! Yay! Um, last year, we just did general Feast Week. But it turned out that both of our books had something to do with um, animals Mm
0: -hmm.
1: for some weird reason. And I think that our original intent was that they were both going to kind of like revolve around some kind
0: of feast or have some kind of feast happen in the book. Um, But I don't think Liza's ended up being that way, right? No, it was more like, yeah, it was like a weird like trial, an animal trial type thing. Right. So it just, and I think it just so happened that both of ours were animals,
1: but, um, this year we knew we were going to do Feast Week, but then we made it a specific, you know, we have, we have a, um, Feast Week, the main title, and then our subtitle, which, Liza, do you want to announce what that is?
0: It's the hottest thing of the year, ladies and gentlemen this year 2022 little sleep much reading podcast feast week is cannibalism 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 having a moment in 2022 nobody saw it coming but everybody's here for it
1: How are you guys feeling about this (laughs) you You guys hate us yet
0: i know they can't hate us they
1: can't hate us
0: but literally, like so much cannibalism, like so many books with cannibalism coming out this year, or getting, or at least like getting popular this year, even if they're older. Then we had fresh. We had the new Timothy Chalamet movie. Like, what is cannibalism renaissance? Slay. Slay. Literally.
1: Didn't I read a weird book about people eating people this year?
0: I read a weird book about people eating people this year. Oh, I know what I'm thinking. of. I can't tell people what mine was because it's the biggest plot twist of the book, and I still want people to read this book, so I'm not saying shit about shit. But I did read a book this year with people eating people. You liked fresh.
1: I did, yeah. yeah. I thought it was fun. I had a girl just the other day be like, did you watch fresh didn't you think that movie was wild i was like i thought that movie was great she was like
0: (laughs) yeah i'm not easily disturbed
1: no me either it's kind of a problem at this point
0: i also at one point this year hyper fixated on that thing where those boys they were like a spanish rugby team um we're Uruguayan Paraguayan rugby team and they crash in the Andes mountains this is real life not this. it didn't happen this year it happened a long time ago and they had to eat each other once they were dead they had to eat the other people that died in the plane crash and I watched a movie about it and Ethan Hawke is in it so that's a little extra for you Ethan I also feel like we were talking about Willie Pickton a lot this year oh he's constantly on my mind do you remember what what did we read that week we were talking about willie Picton, and you were like would you be would you want to know if you ate the meat and i was like no and you were like i would and i was like okay that's not cool with me Do you remember that i do remember that but i can't remember what it was so we must have been talking about cannibalism on another episode wow what's wrong with this something something's a little unhinged trust people trust me guys we're unhinged but not in a like i'm gonna eat people way well would you guys want to know would you want to know
1: if you ate a person if you just ate some mysterious meat and then someone was like hey you want to know what that meat actually was would you say no? If someone knew that you ate meat that was of the human body, mm. would you want them to tell you or would you just want to be blissfully ignorant? I would want to know because I already ate the meat. Girl. I've already ate it and then I could tell people one time I accidentally ate human meat. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
0: <laughs> Not how I feel. That's how I feel about that. Not how I feel. Um, but yeah, we're talking about human meat. And it's not a secret today. It's not a secret. Mm-hmm. So put that turkey in the oven, get started on that stuffing and make sure it's not going to be runny stovetop stuffing. No, not allowed. Don't and, serve it. Don't serve it. And get ready to listen to us talk about people eating people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah um marissa i do have a request okay my request is that you go first because one of my friends from work hello friend if you're listening listens to the podcast and they really want to read my book and i want to make it easy for them so they don't have to skip over me and hear spoilers even though i'm planning not to spoil it they still don't want to hear anything about it so if you want to go first then they can just end the episode when i start yeah Yeah, Liza's friend, I got you. I got you. <laughs> um, Do you want to say what you read? Oh, yeah, I should just say what I read. I read A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers. And I read Brother by
1: Anya Alborn. So I will jump right into it. Honestly, I've been seeing this book everywhere, and I've I've known for a while that I've wanted to read it, but I was scared because it's 319 pages, and this is going to sound bad for me to say, but like looking at the cover, I was like, that's going to be dense, and that's going to be hard to get through, so I need to be really geared up for it. It was nothing like that at all. Her writing is wonderful. And she really knows how to keep you interested. I don't know. I feel like some... A lot of horror books I read feel like... They're just dense. They they just feel like um, it takes work to get through them. And when you have characters that you can connect to or have questions about it really helps to like keep things going and keep you reading but besides the point we will get into that in a minute so um this story is about a family called the 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 morose and the, the the brother his name is michael he, he's our main character, really. Um, he has a brother named Ray, but he told everyone to call him Rebel, and Michael does because Michael does whatever Rebel says. And there's an there's Michael also has an older sister, whose name is Misty, Misty Misty. I believe her name's Misty Dawn. I think her name is. And then there's of course Mama and the their father whose name I can't think of right now because they don't they don't call him I think they call him pa to his face, but in the book they refer to him as his actual name. Which confused me for a while when I first started reading it. But that's besides the point again. And pretty much His family are a bunch of murderers, and girls go missing all the time because they kidnap them and kill them. And if they run away, Michael's job is to follow them and um, track them down and catch them. And then he also skins them and takes them apart in their bodies. And fillets them as if they are animals. Um, after they are die, after they are dead, the dad's name's Wade, by the way. Um, yeah, so it's fun. It's it's fun. It's goofy. It's interesting. Um, Michael doesn't like what he what he does, but he does it anyways. And um, one day, Rebel brings Michael into town, and he sees a girl who he decides that he loves, and her name's Alice. So that's pretty much what i'm gonna say without giving anything away let's get into this writing chart so for readability and interest i gave this an eight i could not put this book down like i said it's like over just over 300 pages long and i read it in two days it was just that good um like i said her Her writing, it's really something I feel like, which me and Liza talk about all the time, we love. Anyone could pick up and read this book. There's nothing complicated in the words. There's nothing. She's not hiding anything from you. Um, you don't have to be some, like, crazy, pretentious person to read this book. Anyone could pick this book up and like it. I love that. Um, you really get connected to the characters. The chapters are short and for the most part and easy to get through um I think everything else I want to say about that I'm going to talk about later so yeah so that's all I'm going to say about that for now let me see for language and style I gave it a seven um there's nothing particularly flowery or lyrical about this but it is There were some, like, she had some really beautiful pieces of imagery that I think are going to stick with me for a long time. For example, there's one part where Michael is covered in blood, and the blood dries, and he, like, describes it as, like, flaking off his skin like like red dandruff. And I thought that was like beautiful because not only do you see that and can you feel that and do you know what that is, but it also just evokes like an emotion of disgust, um which I thought was really great. And um the other image that's going to stick with me is nighttime the porch lights on. And someone is carrying a dead girl. But all you can really see, because you're looking like their back is to you. So all you can see is like her feet bobbing as they walk. I was like, that's so great. That's so beautiful. So she had like really good, like just stunning moments that I think I'm always going to kind of think about. I think just like what I what that is to be is like a small moment that controls the scene in a way. Um both of those things I mentioned are part of bigger scenes but they really pull emotion out of you and get you feeling how you should feel in that scene. I think that's so important. Um for form, I didn't really write form because there's not really much here, but I will say every couple of chapters is in a different font and from the perspective of rebel instead of michael which is really interesting rebel is a super interesting character we're going to talk about that more in the character section but i really enjoyed that so i wanted to mention it so for shelf worthy read again i gave this a nine um i think that if you like horror you need to read this book I think um I think that Anya is someone who we need to be reading now after reading this book um this should be a movie this should have fan art made this should be a tv series we should write songs about this book I liked it that much we should have someone design a new cover (laughs) because I don't like the cover I'm 150 billion percent keeping it on my shelf I would love to tell people to buy this instead of getting it from a library only because I would love for Anya to have the support but it's okay if you get it from a library we love libraries so that's okay but I just think that this is something that if we're talking about cannibalism extremes here. Uh Tender is the Flesh is on the far side. Tender Tender is the Flesh is like probably your 10. That is almost as sickening as you're gonna get. And I think that Brother was a good cannibalism book because it was not as outwardly disgusting were there disgusting things about it yes absolutely sickening disgusting horrific yes absolutely i agree but it just wasn't as in your face about it um so i would give this one like a good six on the cannibalism scale um I think that if you're interested in reading a cannibalism book, you're like immediately I feel like everyone would jump to Tender as the Flesh. Do not do that. Read a book like this first where it's going to ease you into it. I mean, unless you know that's really what you want to do, but whatever. Um, Because this book was like cannibalism is disturbing. It is a disturbing thing to read about and to think about and to picture in your mind. And I think this book did it very tastefully, and it did it so that it wasn't in your face. So therefore, I would say that like people should pick up this book. The writing was great. Um, from a writerly standpoint, amazing. From a readerly standpoint, amazing. I loved it. I, I just feel like so many people are going to be like, oh my god, it's a cannibalism book. No, thank you. I don't want to read cannibalism. Fine. But, like, it's not that bad. So, chill out. Um, Moving on. For plot, I give it an 8.5. So, there were a lot of twists and turns in this book that I so appreciated. And I really wanted to give this book a 9. I considered it. I debated it with myself. The reason it got an 8.5 is because... While there are a lot of twists and turns and like shock factor things, quite a few of the things, not all of them, but quite a few, I was like, oh, I think this is what's going to happen. So I I kind of guessed things before they happened, but but like soon before they happened. It wasn't like in the beginning of the book, I was like, oh, this is what's going to happen. No, it was like soon before they happened. It wasn't that. And that could have been purposely done. We don't know. Um, Because there is always something good about letting the reader know in ways before your characters know. That's a good way to keep people reading because then they're interested to see how everything's going to play out, even though they think they know what happened. Um, So I loved all the twists and turns in this book, even though some of them I knew. I still thought it was great. Um, So 8.5 for that. For characterization, I gave it a 9. I think this is what I'm probably going to talk most about. So this book has one of the most, a couple actually, of the most effed up and evilest characters that I've ever read in any book. I would put that next to friggin' Lee from Horns. Yeah. So, and I will say, I think that this book, I think there's something that we need to talk about in horror with psychological horror, because there's psychological horror that is psychological to the characters, and then there's some psychological hor- horrors that are psychological to the readers. Um, And I felt like this book... I mean, The One Brother definitely plays... Rebel definitely plays a lot of mind games with Michael, but it is very psychological to the reader in the in almost the same way that Tender is the Flesh is, where it feels like you are trying to, like, clench onto a character that you can, like, relate to and see the good in, but the story is just too effed up. Like, I wanted the main character in Tender as the Flesh to be the good guy the whole time. But then I get to the end, and I'm like, was he? I was sitting here rooting for this guy the whole time. Was he? And it's the same thing. I know that this main character is a murderer. He, He hunts some girl down and literally bangs her over the head with a rock in the first chapter. The first chapter. And for some reason the whole book i'm in a weird way like rooting for michael to always like get one over on his brother or like be in good with his parents like for some reason i just feel bad for him and i'm like why he's literally a murderer he he's disgusting mm-hmm. by the way trigger warning <laughs> heavy on the incest in this book uh i mean obviously cannibalism um trigger warning for sexual assault. obviously there's violence against women some trigger warnings but like there's nothing nothing like super super triggered me i was just like oh good to know that's in there like a lot of things are kind of like left which is nice it's nice you don't need to go into a whole bunch of detail you know what i mean Um, so that was great but yeah so like this whole book I'm just like trying to like clench onto this main character even though I know that he is morally not a good guy none of these characters are morally good people and I still just like was rooting for him the whole time and it made me so mad I didn't even like him didn't even really like him it was like weird It was just weird. It's like this weird psychological mind game as a reader that this freaking author was playing with me, but you know what? I freaking like it. It was great. But yeah. So, I rated the character the characterization so high because of that, but also just because of how evil these characters are, are, how cunning and like manipulative they are. Um, It was so well done. And... Because because they weren't just evil for evil's sake. There was purpose to it. And you, you really did understand it. Even though that's so effed up. And you know, the last thing I'm going to say about this book is... The ending was wonderful. Something happens at the end that I was like... I. When it was first happening, I was like, oh, I don't like this. I understand what she's doing immediately, and I don't like it. But then the more I kept reading, and the second that it, like, ended, I was like, no. That was the perfect ending. That was how it needed to end. And it fits. Like, that that was the story she was supposed to tell. And that's just such a good feeling to feel when you read a book. I love that feeling when you're just like, yes, it ended exactly how it was supposed to. And they didn't like put
0: flowers in it just to do that.
1: So that's how I feel about that. Um, can everyone please go read this book? Because I really do be liking it. And that's the end of that. The
0: end. I'm so excited to read this book. You have to. I, it sounds like, like, I know I say that all the time. Like, I'm like, I'm going to read this book. And, like, often I do mean that I'm going to, like, read it. eventually. But, like, this one, I want to read, like, I really,
1: really, 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 really want to read it. I think you really, really, really like it. Um. Also, by the way, I read uh, Dark Harvest. It was great. Do you love it? I loved it. you loved it. I knew you'd love it. Loved it. And giving very Marissa. <sighs> it's Horn. Um, it it's corn. It has to choose. It has to choose. Um But no Liza, you need you need to read this book. This book was very much writerly as much as it was readerly, which is so nice.
0: Also, why this have me wanting to reread horn?
1: I get the itch every so often, you know? I just read it this summer, and, and, like, reading this, I was also, like, oof. Horns. Maybe I should just go back and, like, read a chapter, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: Just check it out, you know? Oh, I love that book. <laughs> um, Without further ado. Interlyses cannibalism. <laughs> yes, that um, A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers. Um, first of all, this cover absolutely beautiful i'm obsessed with the cover um also quick trigger warning for sexual assault in this book fyi to the people also i mean trigger warning for cannibalism (laughs) obviously um and but on the other hand antithesis of Marissa's book this book features violence against men which doesn't need a trigger warning um she's a silly goofy mood this is one of my friends at work this is one of her favorite books I think that she's read this year and it's her staff wreck and her staff wreck like the blurb that she wrote for the staff wreck is girls just want to have fun um and that's so slay for this book Um, This book is very, very, very cool. I loved it. It is, to give you a brief summary, it is about a woman who is a food critic. And while you're reading this book, you're actually reading her memoir. And she's currently in jail. And she's telling you basically about her life and times and how she was a food critic and how she became a food critic. And then eventually how she became a cannibalistic serial killer she is also a psychopath which is really fun to read from the like to read the memoir of a fake psychopath is just very entertaining to me first of all before i get into it i feel comfortable saying this book is going to be in my top i'm more than comfortable saying this book is going to be in my top 10 um, this episode that you're listening to is the season finale, and theoretically speaking, the episode when we come back is gonna be our favorite books of twenty twenty two and this one, I believe, as of right now, I have it at number five of the um, of the sixty three books I've read this year. I have it at number five right now, so. That gives you a feel for how high ranking this book is. We'll see if that changes. It's very possible that it could go down to, you know, six or seven if I read really good books before the end of the year. But a little fun fact for you. Four, readability. I gave this book an eight. I think that you could very well call this book a binge book. I certainly binged it similarly similarly to Marissa. It's like almost 300 pages, which is not, you know, super long, but longer than I usually do. And th- look at the margins. Bitch, where? There's no margins. Honey, this shit is basically single-spaced. Um, And I read this in three days that's how readable it is i will say this book is not unlike mer it's unlike marissa's in that the language in this book which i'll get into a little bit in a second is very chewy 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 scrump crunch crunch um it's not it's not a book like that we love that style where it's like you pick it up and an eighth grader could read it um me and my friend were talking about it there's so much she uses so many big words in this book that you sometimes have to pause and actually stop and look them up because you're like i don't know what the fuck that means but let me say this <laughs> i think that our main character i think that summers had the main character the narrator use these words just to make this girl who's the narrator an asshole. And I think sometimes it's actually funnier or better, a better experience, a better like way of viewing the character if you read it without looking the words up because you're like this dumb bitch like I wish you would stop being such a pretentious asshole and then you keep reading I think it's like kind of fun if you look at it that way so but that's the only thing I would say like it's not like a oh my god this is a page turner because this is so easy to read which is another is a kind of book that I love it's like a page turner in a like what is this woman saying because I need to find out what she's going to say next writing style all of this being said I gave it a nine I love the writing in this book I thought it was incredible some of the best writing I think I've read so far this year um especially like technically speaking I want to read a few passages for you guys because it's just absolutely crazy and I think the beauty in this book is that it's a it's a food critic writing a memoir right so when she's talking about food it's these beautiful 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 like otherworldly descriptions of food and eating and of course that translates to when she's talking about killing so like cooking cooking and eating is described as in just a beautiful and intriguing way as killing and consuming human flesh is and I think that that was really cool on this writer's part to make it a food critic I think that's really funny and also just works incredibly well um so here's probably my favorite passage in the book Beyond my mother's bedroom window, her garden went slowly to seed. The ascaribus, uh, ascaribus, the asparagus blew to big filigreed flowers. The birds ate her berries. The cutworms decapitated her broccoli. The deer nibbled her roses to nubbins. Forgotten tomatoes ruptured on the vine. Eggplant and zucchini engorged the size of small groundhogs. Corn- wizened on this corn stalk it was a slow erosion an anti- eden and though the rest of us did the best we could to slow the deterioration the truth was that we were paralyzed by not caring very much we simply didn't have green thumbs and even if we did our mother was dying how could we care when the green beans grew large and furry as miners mustaches every day the garden ran more to rot to riot every day my mother diminished run to its inevitable end fecundity will always turn to decay what uh what i love that passage the the idea of an anti-eden is of itself is very very cool and she has these weird little moments like that where She just describes something in such a weird way. And you're like, ma'am, how did you think of that? Um, Let me see. Because I have this dog ear too. I think I'll save that for later because I think that was actually a plot thing. Let me see. And then what this one is.
1: Because we did have
0: one. Oh, here's just another thing I wrote like her describing the cook garden decaying as anti-Eden and I was like that's just like a really weird way to describe something and I really like it and she does that a lot there's this other passage where she's talking about how she's crisscrossing through America by plane because she's like visiting all these different cities to try these different foods and she says um what did she say she said I felt like I was lacing America's corset tightening it with gourmet restaurants um and then goes on to list but like the idea of crisscrossing america by plane and describing it as tightening america's corsets i was like man what are you talking about in the best way
1: i don't know why i dog-eared this page
0: y'all ever do that um I think I'll go back to this later, because I think I did it for a reason. I swear to God, I gave you all a trigger warning that I was going to say the P word, and I lost the dog ear about that had the passage about the P word, um, so now you guys don't have to suffer through that, but the writing in this book is gorgeous. I give it a nine. I did not talk about form. I omitted form. Nothing interesting happening with form in this book, and nothing is trying to be done, so there was no way to um, tackle that. Four, shelf-worthiness. I give this book a nine. Like Marissa, I think this is one of those books that I'm like, if you read another, if you're looking for another book to add to, you're like, I have to read this before the end of the year, put this book on your list. I'm not kidding you. Do it you can get it from the library. You can go pick it up at the store. You can borrow it from a friend, but like you have to have to read this book and I'm certainly keeping it on my shelf. I would revisit it just because of how bizarre it was and how gorgeous the writing was. And I also feel like it's like a, I don't know, even though it's like an acquired taste, um, to give a little pun, I feel like it is a really fun book where you can be like, have you read A Certain Hunger? And then somebody's like, no, you can be like, hee, 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 hee you need to borrow this. Um, Because again, like Marissa was talking about with like, I'm going to keep making these stupid puns, but it's like the first word that comes to mind. Like it's like a digestible cannibalism, if that makes sense. It, to put it this way, my other book I read this year that contained cannibalism, profoundly more disturbing than this book. I still think about that book. I will never be reading that book again it was harrowing and not just because of the cannibalism there's a lot going on um but this book like it's almost like the cannibalism is like i don't want to say an afterthought cuz it's such a big part of this character but like it's just like not like this book is not really gross like it it's not it's not shock factor it's not you know so many other things that like when you think of cannibalism like think of a a movie you've watched that featured cannibalism or like torture porn like wrong turn or something like that it's not that kind of book it really is literary fiction that is about cannibalism and so I think it's kind of like fun and quirky and silly goofy um it's also described as a satire which i think is fun too and i think that's what makes it more digestible than the say the other book i read this year that featured cannibalism not trying to be funny no very much trying to be very disturbing and this book is trying to be silly goofy mood and i do i do really appreciate that about it Four plot. I gave this book a nine. I loved the premise of this book that it's the memoir of this psychopath. And she's walking us through her life. Um with, it, it, her life and times as a food critic and as a as a serial killer. I think it's really fun. I think even though it wasn't one of those books because it's literary fiction, right? It's not that classic beginning, middle, end. Tension's building. Here's the moment. Now it's dropping. Like it wasn't. that plot style per se but it was really like you were like you weren't like you weren't so much like what's gonna happen next even though you were kind of intrigued about who she was gonna kill next but like I said earlier you were really like what's this bitch gonna say next like she's saying the craziest things I gotta keep reading I want even though you're hanging out with a psychopath for 300 pages you're like I'm tickled you're like (laughs) I'm entertained, and um, a lot of that has to do with just this woman describing her crazy life, and not only that, describing it in just a really weird way that I really like. The passage that I had dog-eared was about cannibalism, and I thought it was really interesting. Um... she's talking about how cannibalism is almost socially acceptable when it's done out of out of an out of need which i think is interesting and i think that's first of all cannibalism is bad people marissa and i believe that we are not cannibals we are not condoned cannibalism but um i think cannibalism is so taboo and people try so when, so, okay, cannibalism is taboo, period, because it's a bad thing to do, and it is horror because when you're reading about somebody who wants to do cannibalism or who, say, is forced to do cannibalism against their will, that is really disturbing, but when you're reading, like, a survival story about someone who was, did cannibalism to survive, it is different for some reason, and I personally don't really see the difference, like, I do and I don't, but, like, I am very disturbed in different ways by people who have to eat people to survive versus people who eat people by choice. Like I find them both the same level of disturbing just in different ways. Um, But Summers had an interesting take on it where she said, oh, this is what it was, this passage. I am gonna have to say um, some yucky words, (laughs) Um, but about like, I'll, I'll read it and let you guys decide. Eat your dead companion, and you live on with the knowledge. Eat your dead to honor or triumph over them, and you're nourished with metaphor. But it's all so much intellectual faffing. We, as an English-speaking people, can't not eat our dead. Our language loves a cannibal. We don't just win at sports. We kill the other team. We demolish them. We devour our opponents. To expect our appreciation for a baby's cuteness, we say we could eat her up. When we have sex, we ravish our lovers, nibble their ears, lick their vulvas, or swallow their cocks. Gleeful, we banquet on flesh. That's why I dog you in that page. Nothing to do with what I was saying a minute ago. Everything to do with, that is weird. Why is the English language so violent? And why is it so... Cannibalistic. Our language loves a cannibal. Girl, it does. Even when I was saying earlier, I was like, digestible, or like calling things a snack. Like it's a thing now when someone's hot, you're like, okay, snack. Okay, whole meal. Like, huh? Like this woman had me thinking of things that I never was ever thinking about. Ravish as a word itself. And a, a lot of violent language to describe everyday things in the English language and it's weird that's peculiar that's a western thing for sure and it's something that we should probably um grapple with at some point um and, and uh take a really close look at that um that's that on that for characterization, I gave this book an eight. This narrator is insufferable. She literally sucks. Um, she's an awful human being. But how fun is it to read her memoir? It's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly entertaining. It would call it morbid, like morbid fascination, I guess. Um, yeah, it's like a like you you can't look away, even though she's. Sucks, <laughs> but a really intriguing person. I will say her her psychopath psychopath what what do you call it? <laughs> her brain, right? She's a psychopath. Um, but her most of her all of her like psychopathic acts are directed towards men. So she has this thing where she feels like she needs to ruin their lives and so she basically before she became a cannibal she would like collect information on men and then when she was like when they did her wrong or she was done with them she would like release this information so like they'd get caught for tax fraud or like they would find like they she would tell their their girlfriend that he was cheating like she'd find out all this like awful information about them so that then she could like ruin their lives like end their lives metaphorically before she started ending people's lives physically. Um, And then she decided that she needed to start ending people's lives physically. And sometimes it came from a point of, of anger, but oftentimes it was just because she really wanted to do it. Um, And it was always against men She's a psychopath, so she has no feelings for anybody. That's important to remember. Psychopaths don't care for others in the same way like you or I do. Um, So this is not to say that she cared for the female characters in the book, but I found it really interesting the way this character interacts with the women characters versus the way this character act- interacts with the male characters, and I think this can be seen in a few different places. It can be seen with her mother, um, which is sort of the only time she per- per- any shows any sort of, like, somewhat sadness even though she wasn't really having the same sort of sadness as her the rest of her family when her mother was dying of cancer um she had a brief moment in her life where she was sleeping with women and the one time she like really showed compassion to a sexual partner was with this one woman she was sleeping with who was not just like experimenting like she really was a lesbian but wasn't, like, out, and so Dorothy was, like, took it as her responsibility to, like, take more care with this person, um, which shows, like, a weird little bit of of emotion coming from a psychopath. She has her best friend, Emma, who is the only person she ever says she loves in the entire book, no matter how many men this woman had relationships with, like no matter how many men Dorothy slept with had relationships with like the only person she ever says she loves was this her best friend Emma and then she also doesn't really let herself get too too angry at men even if she's like I'm gonna kill them it's not really coming from a place of like deep-seated anger the one time in the book she gets incredibly furious and like feels like her life is falling apart is because of something another woman did to her and I think that's really interesting like I can't think that wasn't intentional on Summer's part to have this psychopath and have her react have her interact with women and men characters in in very different ways um and she only kills men it's something to think about Like, I just thought it's, it's something to like, when you're reading this, maybe you could pick up on things that I didn't pick up on about her interactions with women. And that kind of just goes a little bit into characterization and and to say, you know, this is really from the perspective of Dorothy. You're never getting the perspective of another character. It's her memoir and she's a psychopath. So she can't really get into the heads of the other characters, but you do get a really like fun I guess description of the other characters through her and they all do feel really vivid and real but she's an unreliable narrator you don't read a lot of books that come from the perspective of somebody who doesn't even have the ability to understand how another person's brain is working and I think that's kind of like kind of fun and kooky to have a book written from that perspective because it's like can I say these characters are like realistic and true to themselves i don't freaking know because a psychopath was describing them <clears throat> but we saw them in a really like well painted way in the way that this that in the way that dorothy saw these people and that's really fun and really crazy and that's a certain hunger y'all that's all she wrote i like that think think how
1: like I don't know what kind of um, headspace you have to be in as a writer to be able to do that. It's really great, right? It's very fun. It's very weird. I like it. We like that a lot. That's wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, why are like? Why is the English language like that? I don't know why you know American people are low key obsessed with things that bo- like are borderline wrong. Yeah, it like, could be like they're t- it's toeing the line of wrong. But I think it's something to do with that.
0: Yeah, there's a violence to the language and like a violence to the gaze almost. Yeah the Western gaze has a violence to it, I think. A conquer, it's, it must be, it's almost like a, yeah. It's almost like a imperialistic thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Weird, guys. Very peculiar. Friggin weird. Sorry, I had to say Marissa. (sighs) I said it again. It's just like even like the mouthfeel of it is wrong. Like there's nothing like okay, like the word moist, everyone's like, I hate the word moist. There is something beautiful about the word moist. Like yes. moist. It comes out of your mouth nice. It like it it when I think of the word moist, it goes from big to little. Moist. Right. It doesn't feel like a heinous act just to
0: say it. Right there's nothing good about that word it doesn't feel it doesn't like it's not okay yeah we're done I'm not saying that again
1: it doesn't feel right Mm -mm. it doesn't sound good It like it it literally what it reminds me of is when we had poetry workshops and someone would read it something and it would be like flowing so good and then they would have one word that was like off and it was it's just like immediately someone just like hits the wrong note on a piano
0: Mm, yeah you know what i mean
1: that's what that word does for me every time i hear it yucky wucky hate that hate it um
0: but hey happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving happy season finale of season three season three season three season three (laughs) you guys have been listening you've been sticking around you're from all over the place we see you hi what's up what's up we have 11 reviews on spotify i don't know how many of those are our friends but that made me that was kind of cool i don't know we have 11 friends we have (laughs) 11 friends right so that's why i'm thinking it must be some other random people we don't have 11 friends, and I even think, sorry, bitches, I know for a fact when we asked you guys to give the pep podcast five stars, you did some of you hoes didn't do it. We're not dumb. We're not dumb. So, you know, we're chugging along. Season three, we're still going, and you all are still listening, and we love to see it.
1: And uh, we don't know what will happen next but uh, I'm sure it'll be fun
0: we'll probably be back in the new year with um our year in review what do we think I love that with our um best books of 2022 wow that's wild that's fucked I hated that I just, and Marissa it's going to be 2023 ugh oh. And we're going to be 24 years old. This is the first year of my life where I've genuinely,
1: like, felt old in a weird way. Like, I've actually, like, thought about life, like, doing its thing. Yeah. That sucks. I don't like it one bit, chief. Whose bright idea was it to make me live? Ugh. Ugh. (laughs) Maria. (laughs) It's your fault. Shout out. (laughs) Shout out to Maria. Um, but yeah, we hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. We hope you have not human meat on your table. Don't eat a
0: person, but maybe eat some stuffing. Definitely eat some stuffing, stuffing's great as long as it's not runny. No, no.
1: And you know what? If you have to eat stovetop on Thanksgiving, some people have to. Yes. Yes. Some
0: people do have to.
1: But make it good. You deserve yeah. to have good,
0: not runny stuffing. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Eat some green bean casserole. I don't know your life. Gravy. Gravy. Eat Tur- the turkey if you can. Um, Green bean. We said that. P- sweet potato. Carrots, cranberry sauce, and that's mac and cheese, biscuit, it up.
1: pie. You deserve. You deserve to have all the good things. Just you really do. A person. That's not a good thing. So don't, don't be me. doing that.
0: Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't
1: do it. <laughs> don't do it. And um, yeah, that's it. And we'll see you guys. When we see you. Sayonara. Peace out.